For those of you that are joining us just today, we are in the second week of a sermon series. We've been going through the readings of Isaiah, and there we find that we have a love story. There is this beautiful, wonderful couple, and they've been madly in love until things went terribly wrong. As often in a real love story, things aren't always as they seem on the outside. But on the inside, it was quite awful for this, the woman in the relationship, the beloved, who has been loved from her youth by the lover, she has been unfaithful to him. And so for a time, he has separated himself from her. But during this separation, which was very difficult, she has now seen what she has lost. She has taken stock of the one whom she has hurt. And there she remains in tears and sorrow. Will he come for her? Will he forgive her? Word is sent today, and that is our theme today. Word is sent that he will come, and that he longs to be with her too. He has forgiven her all of her sins, and soon he will be there. I wish you were here. I miss you. My heart longs for you. I wish that I was there too. It won't be long and then I will come. Belonging, the not being there, that is our day today. We are not face to face, but one is coming, and his heart too longs for us. Isaiah would write it this way in his love story. He said, tell the people comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now, the relationship will be mended. They will be back together again as they were. And so the big question that remains is, will it last? Will she remain faithful once she's back in his house? Once life goes back to normal, will she go back to her normal? And so again, ruin the relationship. Well, of course, this is all just a mirror of our relationship with God. He has loved us from the beginning, from our youth. He has brought us into His house. And there we have been unfaithful. And we have been separated from God. We are no longer with Him face to face as we once were in the garden. But... There, in this separation, we have taken stock. We have seen what we have lost, and God has promised to come for us. The question is, will we remain faithful once He comes for us? And that answer is not as easy to, 
to just blurt out because we know ourselves. We know how easily we are distracted. We know how our lives go from one thing to another and, and we become so busy and distracted. Why just think about if you are in that stage of life, if you're carting kids from one activity to another activity, or maybe you're a grandparent doing the same thing, and you, you want to do this for your kids. You want to give them the richest growing up and, and childhood as possible. So you take them and do everything. But when you find your calendar for the week just full to the brim with activities, you find also then your heart is full with all kinds of distractions. It's not just kids. It's also our work, which we do to ourselves we want to be doing what we are doing. We find fulfillment in it, and we find reward in it, and we find ourselves consumed by it so much that our hearts have very little room. Be it a hobby, a, a political cause, some community activity, even, even working at your church, it can consume our time and our activities so much that the heart space well, it's become very disordered. Something that should be third or fourth on our priority list all of a sudden becomes number one. And there at one, life is not the way it should be. For that number one has been designed to be God and God alone. Will it last? If He's not number one, it will not. Of course, we are not the first people to struggle with the priorities of our loves and, and distractions in fact, you go back to the 300s, you'll find a man by the name of St. Augustine. And there he wrote extensively about disordered loves. And he reminds us that anything that becomes that ultimate in your life, that number one, that is the thing that you look to for your ultimate meaning in life, for your identity. This is who I am. This is what I do. We look to it for our happiness and our security. And if that ultimate thing is not God, the triune Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, whatever that thing is that you've made number one, and everyone has a number one, it cannot sustain your meaning in life, your happiness and your security. It will disintegrate and disorder will follow and our life with God will not last. I've shared with you before, there was a man by the name of David Wallace Foster, and he was an atheist. He was a postmodern novelist who, in the year 2008, took his own life. Before he killed himself, he spoke at a commencement address at a university, and there he shared these words about what is ultimate in your life. He said, if, if your number one is money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in your life, you'll never have enough. You'll never feel you have enough. If your number one is your body and beauty and sexual allure, you'll always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will have already died a million deaths before they ever put you in the ground. If your number one is power, you will end up feeling weak and afraid. You'll, never, you'll need ever more power over others just to numb yourself to your own fears. If your ultimate is your intellect and being seen as smart, you will end up feeling stupid and a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. 
But our disordered lives and our priorities will not order themselves on their own. No, if we just do what naturally comes to our mind in our lives, we will naturally be drifting away from God, and there at the end we will find ourselves not even interested. And so Isaiah, in his love story, he writes how this love is maintained. What you do, and I know that makes us Lutherans a little bit nervous when we talk about this is what you need to do with God. I know that we're saved by grace, but Dallas Willard would remind us that grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. And not only Dallas, but Martin Luther would would remind us that faith and works are two sides of the very same coin. You cannot have one without the other. Well, James would even tell us this, show me your faith, I'll show you by what I do. And even our, our Lord Jesus, would, after His Sermon on the Mount, would say, whoever puts these words of mine into action is like a wise person who built their house on the rock. So what kind of effort would Isaiah have us consider and implement into our life? He gives us three things in his love letter. The first, I will let him speak. He says, uh, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill made low. If your and my relationship with God is going to go the distance, the effort that is required is relationship maintenance. You have to smooth out the road, the path between you and your beloved. And that's true on a human level, too. You cannot have a meaningful relationship without talking to each other, ironing out the problems, saying you're sorry, hearing words of forgiveness. You have to speak about things that really matter. And guys, listen up. You have to speak about emotions, things that matter from the heart. You have to talk a lot. But it's not just all talk. You also have to do things together. You have to play together and grieve together. You have to do projects together, which means you have to be together. This is just 101, relationship maintenance. And it's true so much on a human level, how much more on the divine level with God. And that how can you have a relationship with God if you don't talk to Him? If you're not in a regular conversation with him, without listening to him in his word, without being with him and doing things with him. But Isaiah is not through. He would also have us listen to the next thing that will aid in the relationship development. He said, all flesh is grass and all of its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flowers fade. Isaiah is teaching us that unless you have a healthy understanding of the brevity of life, of your life, you'll never have a need to reorder your priorities. You'll just blindly go from day to day thinking that it will never end. But at the end of the day, it ends. You could spend all of your life with your number one ultimate Pursuing it, having the best family life ever. 
but you will say goodbye to them. You could work in your job and develop it into this monumental business in which everyone is giving awards and accolades. People are coming to learn from you how you did it, but at the end of the day, you retire or you leave it to another, and who knows how they're going to run it. You and I are temporary. The days may drag, but the years fly by. If you have any age at all, you know that that is true. And at the end of it, what has been your ultimate? What has been the thing, the one who has directed and guided your life? Isaiah then would have us consider the very third thing which complements this. He said, he, God, will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those with young. Unless Jesus is your good shepherd, the one who has laid down his life for the sheep, the one who has tended your life, like in Psalm 23, where you have no lack Yes, the days drag, and you feel like you have many things that you wish were different, and you do have a lack, but you know the Good Shepherd is tending your life. You have no absolute lack. That the end of your life, when it is all taken from you, it will be a doorway into a life that is of no end and of no lack. You are being shepherded by the one who holds you close to his bosom, close to the heart of God. If Jesus, if the Father and the Holy Spirit are to be your ultimate, your number one, if your relationship is to last, even as you transgress against the one who has loved you from your youth, you will never be brought to confession. You'll never be brought to a deeper life with Him without the effort it takes that the Spirit is leading you right now into of being in conversation, of doing, of being tended by the Good Shepherd, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.